Today's gospel is from Mark chapter 5, and these selected verses will serve as the basis for the sermon today. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders, named Jairus, came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please, come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid. Just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talithakum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear friends in Christ, universal if there were a desperate dad who entered our church doors just now and came in front of a large crowd with his desperate plea for his daughter's life there wouldn't be one of us who would not share that father's pain Universal, 12-year-old girl, going to die. Universal. This is not really fair. I have a 12-year-old girl. And we do a Matthew year and a Mark's gospel year and a Luke's gospel year and a three-year cycle. And we're in Mark's gospel, aren't we? That means from three years from now, in the summer of 2024, Lord willing, we'll be back here with Jairus in our gospel reading. And guess what? My eight-year-old is going to be almost 12. Then three years after that, my five-year-old will be almost 12. I get to do this Sunday with Jairus 
three times in a row over the next six years. But so do you. It's a universal feeling. It's a universal situation. Do you expect to have a Christian faith you don't use? Do you expect to have an entrance before Jesus and to leave empty-handed? Do you think that we can come with our pleas to God and not be heard? Do you think that this life is just supposed to be so easy and simple, or is it not riddled with sin? And all of its consequences, including the final one, that is death. Yes, it does. Do you expect Jesus to train you for that? Do you expect him to go there with you? All the way? Right beside you and not leave you or forsake you in that hour? And that trouble and that weight, it's universal. Jesus stood outside a tomb himself and wept, you remember. Everybody knows that the weight of death has a weight that we all feel. And it's not like it's every kind of tear and grief that is sinful. But there is a sense that believers, don't you dare get into this territory near death without your Lord. Learn from him what it is to have a God catch your every fall, and especially this one. And so it is that Jesus lets a 12-year-old girl die so he can show who he is even then and even there. Look at the shape with me. Our shape for today is a bow tie. <laughs> You're going to see something really big and heavy and weighty. A universal common sorrow and sadness and way of grieving that the world has when it comes to death because death is just the end. And you're going to see Jesus swallow it whole in the middle of the bow tie and put all that noise and commotion to silence with his words in this account. And that is the seed planted that Jesus would have grow and swell inside of you to have a completely different outcome and land in another space on the other end of the bow tie. You see it? Listen, Mark chapter 5, to Jairus' desperation. He's a synagogue ruler. He doesn't even know exactly how he feels about Jesus, and yet he knows how he feels about his daughter when she's about to die. He knows how he feels when he has no other options except for this Jesus, the healer. And in his perspective is if Jesus doesn't catch it in time, if Jesus doesn't nip the sickness that will take her life soon and very soon, she's gone. So, he falls. Not with full understanding, not with total awareness of Jesus the Savior, but falls he does at the feet of Jesus. My little girl, he says. I don't know if you know any Spanish, but you can talk about a boy or a girl and you can add a little diminutive on the end, make it a little cute, like hijo, 
Mi hijo, my son. Mi hijito, hijito. I have that little ito on the end and it becomes my, my little boy, my little boy. We have that in Greek in this account. Jairus comes. Doesn't it tug? Mi hijita. My little girl. He said, my little girl. My little daughter. It's about to die. Jesus, you have to come. Maybe you can lay your hands on her and do something. And Jesus doesn't say, whoa, whoa, Jairus. I know we don't know each other very well, but I don't have to use my hands. <laughs> Did you know that? I actually don't have to be in the room with your daughter. Did you know that? He doesn't, doesn't do that. Jairus is falling apart. And Jesus says, let's go. But I want you to hear where Jairus is. I want you to see how big this side of the bow tie is. I know you've been through your own experiences with death, and this is Jairus' turn, isn't it? And his little hijita is about to die. And he is desperate, beyond desperate, falling at Jesus' feet. That right there shows this blend. What do I do? As I juggle the weight of death and what it means, and Jesus, what do you mean? But notice he's doing all that he can to escape that D word. He's doing all he can to avoid it. Jesus, let's go. And then they're delayed on the way, right? This is a woman who suffers from bleeding. It's the verses that we skipped with the little dot, dot, dot in the printed worship folder. She suffered from bleeding and there was a pause and Jesus talked to her. Jesus was very aware of what was going on for her and he ministered to her. He, was, he spoke to her and healed her. And it's right as Jesus was speaking that the servants come with some noise. I want you to hear the noise. The servants come and this, this or servant or someone from the house of Jairus and he says, your daughter is dead. But then he teaches. I want you to pay attention. Listen to what people, lots of people, how they view death, how they process death. And you know what they say? Here's an educational tip, he said, they say, for the moment. Let's give you some advice. Do you recognize that? That's what it is. Your daughter is dead, and then they fill in the blank what to do next. They give Jairus some advice. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Why? It's a commentary, isn't it? It's their commentary on the moment. Death is the end. Death is it. Death is all by itself with that little girl and there's nothing we can do with it. Death has taken her. Listen to that metaphor. Death has taken her. It's gone. She's gone. Listen to that metaphor. Gone. People say, she's just gone. Death has taken her. Your daughter is dead. Nothing else you can do. Nothing else you can do. Why bother the teacher anymore? It's implanted in their entire approach and life with death doesn't have any living God a part of it. Do you hear that? Commentary will give you some advice. Just leave the teacher. There's no hope, no hope anymore. And then when Jesus shows up at the house, we gotta finish off this part of our bow tie before we can go to Jesus' words. He hears the weeping and the wailing. People who were wealthy could hire mourners and wailers that would sort of amplify the grieving and express in fuller measure the sorrow that was in their hearts. Make it louder. And isn't that funny? 
that on a day when Jesus wishes to calm and still and quiet, change that grieving, they're paying money to amplify that grieving. This is what society does. This is what the world's natural approach to death. Ah! Make it loud. It hurts. I want people to know that. I want people to feel it with me. Make it louder. Jesus looked into Jairus' eyes as soon as he heard the words, your daughter is dead. That which would make this father fall in a free fall. And he said, Jairus, stop. Don't be afraid. All that noise. Jairus, I know this is really hard. You just heard your daughter died. I know you can picture where she was. You just left her bedside. I know it's left to your imagination what this looks like right now. This whole mountain weighing down on you. Don't be afraid. Only, that's what it is in Greek, just, just, only this. Only this, Jairus, Jesus says. Only this, fill in the blank. Just believe. That is your word of counsel for your trouble. That is your word of counsel for hardship. When the weight is too much, when the load is too big, when you're being crushed by the sorrow or the sadness or the impossible in your life, Jesus says, don't. Right there and then. Jairus, stop. Don't be afraid. Just believe. And when he greeted the commotion that he found at the house, he said, why? Why all of this? You're treating it as if death is all alone with that little girl and there's nothing else around it. There's nobody else tied to that little girl's life. And he changes the words. He says, she's not dead. She's asleep. That would indicate that there's something of life still connected to her because when we're sleeping, we're not dead, right? You're still alive. Jesus is saying something real to them. He's not just saying, oh, let's just think of it in a cutesy way, which people like to do with death to soften the blow. Jesus isn't just playing cutesy and softening a blow. Jesus is saying what she is. She's asleep. My dear Christian friends, I know you have been around the block with death before in your life in some way, shape, or form. I know that we celebrated Easter not too long ago in April and that Jesus lives. And yet, our Lord in his mercy and grace understands that your daily and weekly and monthly and yearly training in the Lord is never finished. And that people sitting in these pews would be occupied with noise and somehow experience their brushes and, and weight of death without believing. And so Jesus is calling you 
to repentance and to cast aside all those naggy, intrusive little fears that creep into your heart in life. And saying fear is the arch enemy of faith. All those things that busy your soul and press it down with things that are wrong, things that are broken, things that are dead about life need to be accompanied by a living and active faith in the name of a living and active Savior who says, believe, and asleep. And that is what can change your life today. That is the difference between free-falling and trust-fall and what comes off the lips of a Savior. And when there is a trust-fall and you open your eyes to Jesus, we get to see what he does. That he knows how to change your view of death just like he would for Jairus and his mother that day, and they would be astonished at what he did with his hold on death. That death wasn't in a vacuum. Death wasn't like untouchable and out there. Death right here in the palm of my Savior's hand. You want to know why? Because all death is connected to sin. All death is tied to our, this is tied to our spiritual death and must be completely done away with. We are dead to God. We don't trust him. We don't believe him. We don't follow in him. We don't know him. We live with our experience that says there's life and there's death and death is the end. And death is the end of your career and death is the end of your relationships and death is the end of your family. Death is the end of your time and death is the end and, and we have to put it all away, Jesus says because death itself is mine to deal with. And then you see Jesus who backs up his words and steps into the room as the people were laughing outside at such a crazy idea of sleep. And he took her by the hand like you might a sleeping person and he gently roused her awake. Talitha little girl get up wake up she did see and so it is that we begin in our astonishment and joy to swell a new faith in a Jesus who's bigger than your wildest dreams a Jesus who in order to flip the tables on death, he must be Lord, not just of breath in the lungs, but Lord of your sin. Jesus, in order to snap his fingers on death and hell and save you out of it, must be Lord of it first. Think about this. You're Jesus, you back up into that net and know what it's like. You start to swing in your hammock and your free fall. What is this? Who is the Savior that I have? Start to let that swell in your heart and mind. This is a Jesus who's grieved over sin before any of us ever did. 
This is a Jesus who has wept and cried at the fallenness of mankind and was born into it on purpose. This is Jesus who bled on a cross because he fully understood its weight and what it would do to your soul. This is a Jesus who loved that little daughter as his own long before Jairus did and far better than he ever could. That's a Jesus who took care of that little girl. That was his little girl to call awake. That was his little girl forgiven by his blood. That was his little girl that he gave to life and let it come away and gave it back again. That was his little girl the whole time. So you see, what is this net? Who is this Jesus that enfolds my soul, that, that buffers my entire life? And this is exactly what Jesus is working to swell in us, that I know who my Savior is, I know the sound of his voice and the strength of his hand. My dear brothers and sisters, death is really loud. And we're all going to be there dealing with it. But let it not be without the word of our Savior. That makes all the difference, changes death to sleep. The metaphor of sleep for death is three times in the New Testament, the word saying, saying death is sleep. And it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it's always with Jairus. And so it is that the word sleep should always be with you. Today, with our 12-year-old daughters, and three years from now, and three years after that, that we might know the difference between a free fall and a trust fall, exactly where we are. Amen.